Well, hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Staring into the Sun. You, uh, you are seeing us uh, in video uh, in, our, in our beautiful oh, cells. Oh, God here. help I, them know. all. That's right. <laughs> we, we are trying it again. You oh. have found us on the interwebs, either on YouTube or podcasts app to Staring into the Sun, where we examine issues of the head and the heart, mental health, spirituality, psychology, theology. We dig into those areas to to try to share things with you that might be useful for you for your own personal transformation and in your world. So here I am. I'm Dr. Rob Gibson. I'm a psychologist hailing from Colorado, and I'm joined by my beautiful brother. Yes, and I am uh, Pastor John Gibson. I live in Ohio, pastor a church here called Living Hope. Yeah, That's right. So welcome. We're so glad you're here. While you're here, take a moment, hit subscribe, hit like uh, on whatever you're at, and share it with other people. We talk about all sorts of issues that are relevant to you. We've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about good and evil. We talk about anxiety and depression. We talk about um, spiritual issues, and and we think those are relevant for the church and relevant for people that are going to therapy and relevant for everyone. Um, But we've found that a lot of times the, the interconnection of these two, uh, we, we struggle to engage with them and we kind of silo off either in, you know, we take our mental health somewhere and we take our spirituality somewhere. And uh, John and I believe that we are integrated people and mind, body, spirit. And so we talk about them together. So that's why we're here. So, so glad you're here. Take a moment to like and subscribe, share it with other people um, uh, so that we can share this, uh, what we have with more people. Yeah. What what are we talking about today, man? All right, my brother. We're gonna stare into the sun together. So, yeah. It's not sunny so, here; so it's here raining. Right. But it, yeah, and and if you're new, uh, just briefly, the the reason we have the staring into the sun metaphor, that's why we call it that, is uh, that um, uh, it, it's from a metaphor from a writer named G.K. Chesterton, and it's about uh, this idea that when you look at something that's impossible to look at, you can't contain it, you can't adequately describe it. In the light of it, everything else can make sense. And so uh, what we want to do is we want to stare directly at those things that are hard to look at um, and hope that we can make some sense of the world around us as we do that. And so that's why we call it staring into the sun. So here we are. I think today, uh, something that's been on my mind, especially as we look towards uh, in, in the church calendar, we're marching toward Easter. Oh I'm my sure gosh. you're aware of that, John. <laughs> wait, wait a second. Uh, oh, it's Easter is close? No way. <laughs> so, so the way I think of it is, you know, oh. April is to accountants as Easter is to pastors. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm just <laughs> hanging by a thread, man. <laughs> no, it's so, good. It's just busy so, time of year, right? So good. <laughs> that's right. Anyone who's a pastor um, at this time of year is aware that Easter is coming. And it's a sacred time uh, where, where a lot of uh, the, the, the pinnacle points of what it means to be a Christian come together. And I think it's relevant for us to talk about the issues of despair and hope today. Um, that's what I want to talk about with you, John. I've been thinking about this um, with uh, in my own personal life and in in, um, in my time and relationships with uh, my patients. Um, the issue of despair and hope and how integral it is to life, and also how um, how I think it would be good for us to try to try to put some words to what we think happens. How when you find yourself in a place of despair, how you find hope. Um, and, and, 
and how you find hope that's actually uh, useful to you instead of fantasy or something like that, because despair mm-hmm. is pretty gripping. So uh, I, I deal with despair a lot and um, try to help people find hope and change. And, and I think that's in your realm as well. So I thought yeah. we'd dig into both of those a little bit today in light of Easter, which is a pinnacle point of both uh, despair, death, yeah. as well as hope, resurrection. Kind of for me too. I think I was just talking about this this past Sunday, and this may be down the road just a second from our conversation. But it it came into my mind. You know, I think Easter exposes the reality of our dysfunction with with hope too, especially as Christ followers. You know, um, Jesus had a description for uh, Pharisees in his day, and Pharisees were were you know part of the religious sect of Judaism. They were religious people. They were people who were kind of professional hopesters, I would call them. But yet he had a name for them. He called them uh, whitewashed tombs, right? So on the outside, they they were one way. They proclaimed one thing, and yet on the inside, they they were the opposite of what they proclaimed. And we kind of talked, we leaned into that on Sunday. A lot of times in the church, we kind of pin the Pharisees as these, you know, jerkwads who did all the, <laughs> the wrong things in the ancient world. And yet, oftentimes, we, I think we can identify them with this reality in particular. As, as, as Easter approaches, as Christian people, we're meant to be people of hope, and yet, oftentimes, our lives underneath the surface of our, he is risen, he is risen in deeds, expose an, a whole other reality, right? Where we, we become seekers of hope, and yet we, we consistently struggle with the reality of despair. And so, yeah, I'm very interested in this conversation. I think uh, f- from your perspective, I w- maybe we should just take a moment and just kind of talk about the definition of, like, what is despair? Because well, sadness, depression, anxiety, you know, what, what yeah, actually putting sure. our finger on what despair is well, even. I'd like to get to that. But I think when you were talking, I was thinking, you know, we, we can often have the veneer of hope, mm. right? Yep. I think that's what I think of with the whitewashed. You know, I, when you said that, it made me think of, um, you know, scenarios say when, when, you know, when someone finds out that they've, you know, had someone close to them die or, or they've lost a child and they're in despair, the thing that is impossible to hear in that moment is, you know, something like, oh, it's okay, they're in a better place. You know, that's like the veneer of hope. When you're in the midst of pain, what you don't want to hear is something like that. Um, Because it's not true hope I can grasp because I haven't really wrestled with the fact that this is so despairing. Um, And so I I think of that when I think of whitewashed tombs, um, our our struggles to enter into people's despair. Um, and, And I think, uh, myself and I think anybody listening can maybe resonate with times that we failed somebody else by, by, by just kind of flailing, not knowing what to say uh, when somebody's in despair, um, and and it's difficult to sit with because it's really really painful, and we might say something like that that isn't real hope. Yeah, it's maybe a, you know yeah. a statement or a you know, something we use to wash over it. Wash, it's interesting to me know, too, in that reality, oftentimes we, we make statements of things that we, we wish were true in our own lives in a way to like, I think again, it's that veneer. Sometimes our language that we use, especially in the church. And again, we, on this past week, we talked about this on, on Easter Sunday in two weeks, everybody's going to be saying he is risen. And then, you know, I actually did it this past week. I just set it off the cuff and like the entire congregation, he is risen indeed. I'm like, no, not yet. Not yet. Like in two weeks, he'll be risen. <laughs> but everybody's real practiced at that. Like our language even kind of perpetuates this reality of the veneer, right? How many of us will stand on the mountaintop and proclaim, yes, Jesus will bring you hope. 
somehow as if saying it louder and to more people will actually make it true in our own lives. Uh, you know what I mean? And, like, and it doesn't actually bring hope. What, what actually might bring hope is something much more real and tangible. Right. Yeah, and I think my point too is, and I talk a lot with folks about this reality that it's hope is something experiential. You know, just talking yes. about what hope is, or talking about that you know what hope is, doesn't actually mean you've had an experience of hope. Those are two totally different things, and um, I, I, I'm a firm believer as well in just the reality of how, as a Christ follower, I believe hope is directly connected to an experience of relationship with Jesus, which is also something I think that is a um, just a big issue within the church itself, that people spend a lot of time talking about Jesus and who he is, and there's this disconnect between our head belief and our heart experience. And I think maybe hope lives in that place, too. A lot of us, you know, again, if we talk about it enough, somehow we'll experience its reality in our life. But hope can, and my own experience, can be a fleeting thing sometimes, too. You know, where I, yeah. I know what it is and I want it, but maybe I, my lack of experience of it leads me just to try to have that artificial veneer of hope. As if somehow, if I just yeah. believe enough, like, it will be true, <laughs> you know? yes. Yeah. Yes, if I if I work hard enough or pretend hard enough, it'll it'll Ooh, be true. Pret- Ew, that that makes me cringe a little bit because it's true. You know, if I pretend hard enough, because <laughs> yeah, I mean it's true, right? I mean, how often do fake it till you make it kind of thing? I don't know <laughs> how many times mm-hmm. I do that in life, but really, I think the outcome of that a lot of times can lead us to just some really despairing places because we we spend so much time pretending. All the while, this lingering, I'm not experiencing the things I'm pretending to experience. At some point, it, it all comes to a head, and we are living in this reality of, man, I, I'm a mess. I'm, I'm despairing. And, yeah. and I went for a long time, and nobody knew it because I was faking so long because I was shameful or whatever the reason is you know, why we pretend. And yet, it kind of escalates the reality of despair in our lives under the surface, for sure. Mm. Yeah. So, what is despair? Um, I'll, I'll take a take a try. Take at, a swing, man. Didn't you go to school to learn yeah. this kind of stuff? Like, <laughs> no, Doctor Rob. They taught, Rob, me to, <laughs> they, they taught me how to photocopy paperwork. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I always think that when I'm having trouble sending a fax, I'm like, they didn't have a grad school class for sending a fax. <laughs> like, I went I went to school to learn how to be a pastor and never learned how to write a sermon. So, like. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> or we never had to know he taught me in college. Isn't that funny? Oh, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so despair, I think what I, I see pictures when I think of it, you know, like the, you know, uh, being in the dark, um, or, or being covered in pain and despair is, um, like the truth resonating deep within that there's no one coming. Ooh. There's no help coming. There's no one coming. This is it forever. Um, there, there's never going to be light. There's never going to be anything good. Um, it's that feeling, that belief that it's really true, that nothing's coming, no one's coming. Um, that, that's the picture I get of despair. I don't, I don't know if that's like, you know, our Webster's definition of it, but. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's how I would describe it just from my perspective. I, I kind of mentioned this before, but for me, despair is concession. 
and it's conceding to the reality of death or brokenness or some reality in my life that it will never change, you know? So, uh, I think in that sense too, despair is something of a, there's a personal, uh, participation in crossing the threshold towards despair, you know, whereas before we, we have experiences of trauma and brokenness in life that inflict, um, all, the, the outcomes of those trauma experiences, whatever that is, looks like darkness, depression, anxiety, all those things, sadness, grief, uh, sorrow. But this, this crossing over this some, some imaginary line towards despair is both the, the outflow of trauma and the participation of surrendering to the reality that it will never change and I'll never be better, you know, and... Mm. That we talk about, I talk about that a lot with my faith community of how, how despair and or conceding to the reality of something in our life is as much the responsibility of, and I'd love to hear you talk about this. I believe it's as much the responsibility of the traumatic experience as it is, the person who's been hurt participating in, conceding to that this will always be the way it will be. I know sometimes we can believe lies and brokenness so much that we can't see a way out, but. There is something of a yeah. conscious choice to concede, I think. Or to participate. I, I, I think it's somewhere in the realm between concession and, uh, I don't know, the word that comes to mind is crushing, right? Mm. Like a, a being crushed by the experience and needing needing the, uh, the, not the infiltration, but like the infusion of somebody else that has hope mm. and the capability to, to help. Um, because I think you're, I think you're right to a sense. I mean, I think there, there are, there are ways that life, you know, crushes us and, and where the only reasonable outcome is to feel despairing. And there's ways we participate in, uh, we add to it or we participate in it ourselves in our own minds or in our own beings of, of, um, for lots of complicated reasons, but engaging with the belief that there is no one coming and there is nothing. Um, but I, I would like to hang out in the gray area. I don't, I don't know if it's all choice. I wouldn't want, Oh yeah. I don't think you're saying that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's this combination of, um, of uh, us ourselves um, participating and also the need for the provision of hope from some external place. Um, I, I think um, I, I think that needs to break through as well, but but that requires a willingness to to the possibility that something could break through, right? Like yeah. a, a willingness to believe that something could break through. Because if we don't, I mean, really, tr- truly, the culmination of despair is either I take myself out, or it's the pathway of Cain, right? Which is uh, uh, well, you know, I, I'm going to punish you. God for the, you know, the, uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson puts it this way. Uh, I'm going to punish you, God, for the crime of being. Um, uh, and and I, I think that's an interesting interpretation of Cain and Abel. Like, uh, I'm so resentful that you made my life this way. I'm going to retaliate against you by killing who you love most. And so the outcome of despair is either I take myself out or I take other people out. That's where it like meets its culminating point. And we fight against it, right? And we struggle against it, um, I think, in part because there, we want to hold on to the possibility of hope. Um, and we need the infusion of hope from an external source, too, I think. 
Yeah. I, what the word that came to my mind as you were kind of talking there was, was skepticism. That when I concede to despair, I live in that place of despair, not believing that anything is possible to move me out of it. Then I become skeptical to all other influences, it, which can mm. keep me. It kind of it can keep me to, in a place where I'm perpetuating the reality of my despair. Right. And I'm and like you kind of said, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, wounded people are often the best at wounding others. You know, of perpetuating our pain for whatever reason. As interesting, you know, as are we perpetuating perpetuating our pain or inflicting it upon others so that we just have more people like us around us, which makes our despair not feel as despairing mm-hmm. because it's more normalized, as opposed to I'm um, mm-hmm. a strange person in this dark hole. You know. Yeah, uh, I also think you know, like, well, if if I'm increasingly cynical, then I, you know, I, I wouldn't allow anybody the opportunity to engage me with hope. But also, that would keep me safe from somebody hurting me. If I can keep you away, you couldn't hurt me. Um, so I think that's a possibility. But I think there's also a flip side. You know, people that have been hurt deeply also have the capability to, to be the most nurturing and compassionate and loving. Right. Like there, there's a, I think there's a thin line between despair and hope and, and the the redemptive move can shift somebody from, like you said, hurting self or other people to providing like a beautiful uh, capacity for love and kindness and compassion. There's a reason why a lot of, a lot of people that go into the mental health field um, uh, uh, are, are pretty or they need to get well acquainted with their own past pain because that's a driver for them wanting to like redeem their past experience. Um, and, and so I I think, yeah, both possibilities are in play. I know a lot. I have lots of friends, uh, in, in areas of ministry rehab, those kind of places that have just come out of that very journey, you know, and I was just had lunch with a, a buddy of mine from full circle recovery services. It's an organization here in the Dayton area that, um, helps, um, heroin addicts, drug addicts come out of addiction and it's long-term care. Um, and he, he was addicted himself and talks about his story and yet he, he is able to reach and serve and minister to people in, in ways that most people can't because of his experience. And, and you said it so well, there's that, there's that thin line of between hope and despair. And I think between skepticism and empathy too, you know, where we, when we are, when we move out of the reality of our despair and brokenness and we see a world of possibility, oftentimes because of the influence of someone else, all of a sudden what, what was once skepticism can quickly turn to empathy because we can see others and we can empathize. Like, I've been where you are. For me, that's the, the story of Christ. It's the story of redemption at its core, right? G- for for a God to for a God to come in and say, "Oh, all you humans, let me save you," and just poof down and fix all the problems, which is oftentimes what we we perceive we want from God. Instead, he did something that was really confusing to humanity. He entered into our mess. He entered into our despair, into our the reality where we had conceded to the presence of death, and Jesus entered death itself. Not just to claim victory over, but what uh, it's such a, I think it's exactly what we're talking about here. Jesus took the very symbol of despair and, and concession of death, and he transformed it into the most powerful beacon of hope and life. And really, it becomes our pathway to life that we, you know, this Bible says these weird things like, in order to have life, you have to lose your life. In order to live, you have to die, you know. So we, it's this surrendering, this, this receiving. Uh, love from a God who's been where we are in order 
to transform our lives to be able to see the pain of others and invite them into a better place, you know? And I think just the symbol of Jesus is exactly what we're talking about here. He entered despair and flipped the switch, transformed it into a source of life. Well, goes through it. Yeah, it yeah. bears all of it. Not, so he not can uniquely identify back. with us, whereas before he couldn't, you know? It, well, I mean, you can make the theological yeah. claim that he couldn't, but, but yeah. But bears, like, bears all of it, goes through it, and, and I think sh- shows us that there's something on the other side. Because I think one of, the, one of the things that's terrifying about despair is if I allow myself to grab on to hope, to believe that something might be different, if I'm wrong and the world crushes me again or uh, you hurt me again, I... I cannot do that. Yeah. Like it, 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 the risk is too great to me. And so I'll, I'll stay here because at least I'm well acquainted with this pain. Mm. Um, the disappointment, I, I don't know what that's like, but I have a sense that that would be really, really bad. And I think you saying, you know, there, this, you know, personification in Jesus, that there is a pathway through, and that there is light and truth and life somewhere else on the other side. And that there's a God who did it and will join you and do it with you, um, I think is, you know, is a foundation for having hope. And I think it's also an example for us as people as far as what to do with despair. Um, it's not to give um, trite remarks about how it's just going to be all better. Right. It's actually oh following yes. the example of entering in and saying, I'm going to enter into the darkness of your despair with you, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to hang on to my, my hope, who I am. Um, And I'm going to, I'm going to hang in there with you and walk with you through believing that there's something else. Um, I, I think, I think that's, that's what I meant earlier about the intrusion from the outside um, that, that we so often need and and despair is think of somebody with depression where the impact on the body of despair and depression is being immobilized, but not just that there's a cognitive element where memories are gone. Like previous positive memories become inaccessible to someone. Um, Whereas when, when they experience a lifting of depression, people will report, memories that they can access now that they couldn't even remember before positive ones, good ones. Um, And so there is a sense of participation, but there's also the sense of like rolling crushing of despair that like, I think it's something we, we have to make a choice to believe and participate in hope. And we need, we need intrusion from the outside. Yeah. I love that intrusion from the outside that it's, yeah. So we need somebody to, to reach out to us and walk through it with us. Break and, in. Yeah, to break, break in. in. Yeah. Here, here's something else I think we should talk about, because I was just talking with my team about Good Friday, and we mm-hmm. started talking about this reality that, uh, um, that came to mind as you were talking. So I'm in despair. Somebody enters into my pain, which is exactly what empathy is. Let's just be clear, uh, you know, as we were talking about that a second ago. Empathy, I've crossed the threshold into hope. Now I can, I can see someone else's life, and I can truly say I've been where you are which is powerful when you reach out and say, I want to walk with you where you are, right? It, it's totally different than somebody who hasn't been where I am and I know it, as opposed to someone who's been right in your situation, circumstance, can reach in in a uniquely powerful way 
and say, I'm, I'm, I've been here. I know what, I know what it feels like to be where you are. And I know the way, I know the way forward, right? Good Friday coming up. We're talking with our team about how good, there's no resolution for, for Good Friday, right? The, the challenge with Good Friday is Jesus goes to the cross and he dies, and that's the end of the service. And we all we all leave Good Friday in darkness, right? The, yeah. Jesus is swallowed up by yeah. death, and, and we know the hope yeah. of Easter is coming. But for his disciples, you know, 2,000 years ago, uh, Jesus entering death was despair personified. The, everything, yeah. the resolution to all of the pain and brokenness that they had experienced in the world, all of their hope resided in Jesus being alive, and he was no longer alive. And there's something about Good Friday where I almost see this image of Jesus standing in the darkness of despair and death, and you know, just barely seeing his hand, you know, from the confines of just consuming darkness. And his invitation to us is, "Here, take my hand and walk into this darkness with me." <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and as if the hope resides somewhere just beyond, we can't see it. And he's taking us somewhere that is outside of the confines, even of our ability to communicate to the to him. Or, and I, what I'm trying to get at here, I think, is that oftentimes in hope we have an, an expectation of what that hope means, right? Sight. So yeah, so I have despair, and there's a certain resolution to certain situations in my life that will set me free from despair. But sometimes the challenge of walking with someone in darkness or walking with God out of despair is, I think, really scary because we confuse resolution with restoration. You know, where we we want God to fix A, B, and C because those are the causes of my despair, right? Broken relationship, I I don't know, fill in the blank. You could probably, you know, trauma, you know, uh, people hurting others, all all kinds of abuse, oppression, you know, fill in the blank for you, whatever you've experienced, listener even. And we, we have a definite expectation of, okay, I got to spare God. I'll walk through the darkness with you as long as it equals you resolving A, B, and C, because that's what hope means for me. But it's hard. What happens when those things don't, they're not resolved? What happens when that, that those situations are still present? Can we experience hope outside of the realm of resolution of those things? Uh, and I'd like to hear you talking. You talk about that just a little bit, Rob. What what happens for a person who's in the midst of despair, and can't can't move forward because they're not experiencing like things that are causing their despair to be fixed? At some level, how do we let go of that and find a different way? Which is what I believe Jesus invites us to. That it's he's not necessarily interested in resolving our problems. What he's interested in is restoring our lives through his presence with us, which is a topic for another day. But I don't know. I, I just encounter people, a lot of people who confuse those things that if I don't have my things resolved, then I'm not, I don't have hope because my hope is resting in those things. Does that well, make sense? Or am I just rambling on? Yeah, it, so? <laughs> it does. No, well, I had me thinking of, uh, well, I mean, I think there's real, in what we can see, um, restoration is resolution. I, th- I think we, it's hard for us to see anything else um, for understandable reasons because it's the dark, right? And so I think that's the real challenge is, um, you know, the, the creative possibilities that are, that we can't see, we don't know them. And, and it, it is a major act of faith to walk into the unknown into the dark 
um, and take a risk that life could be better, but in ways that I, I can't understand. And by better, that doesn't always mean like something is resolved. Um, some things may, you know, absent some sort of like, you know, divine miracle, um, they are the way that they are. Um, and we, we don't have an explanation for why we won't get justice. It's not fair. Um, but like I was saying earlier that, you know, a path down that road is death, right? Of like, well, of bitterness and hatred and resentment and despair leads to death of myself or other people. Um, and, uh, entering into the dark, I, I see like you're talking about this hand that says, you know, hold on to my hand as we walk through the dark. Um, that's scary. Uh, but also it, it, it means that there's possibilities out there that you can't see that, that might be incredibly meaningful to you, even in the midst of, of who you are and what's happened. Um, because I, I, I mean, as I've worked with people who've, um, who've undergone their own personal transformation, um, and experienced in my own life or seen family or friends, um, the, the pains and the the residual effects of the past don't disappear, um, but that doesn't mean that new things don't come in. Oh, and and that's actually that's actually one big aspect of what therapy is, oftentimes for people, or you know, or you know, meeting someone at a church that loves you. Um, you may not be able to replace someone's. Uh, you know, whoever it is, fill in the blank, you know, husband from the past or parent, or you won't be able to do that, but you can be uniquely you in the moment with that other person. And, and so there's a possibility of new things, not replacing the old, uh, but new things that are good. Um, but that requires a willingness to uh, accept them as gifts instead of uh, our, our anger at, God or other people for what has been taken from us. Um, and, and that's a, that's a courageous move. Um, that's really difficult to do. Um, so, but, but those are the things that are possible there, I think. Um, and, and that's why I say we as people have such a responsibility, not just to, um, need this for ourselves from other people, but to follow the example of what you're talking about of Christ, which is don't just stand back and wait for God to, break into someone's life with light and truth and presence, be that, oh, right? Yeah. I think that's the message of Easter is be that to other people. Yeah. One of them. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think this talk of someone entering in and us being that hope to someone ultimately brings in this this reality of connection, right? So when, I, when the hand reaches out from the darkness, the the deciding factor for me to walk into that darkness to where whatever lies beyond what, and I loved how you described that the possibility of something new, right? That, that I can't see, but hope that it's there. And really that moment of, of moving into the darkness in hopes that there's light beyond is a moment of trust that whoever's, whoever's hand is being offered to me, that it's, man, what a courageous act of trust to grab someone's hand like that and walk somewhere that you can't see, that you can't mm -hmm. imagine what's beyond. But somehow there's been a connection between you and that person who has entered into your life to, to place your trust in them. Uh, and, I, and I think both in relationship communally as we reach into one another's lives, how we establish trust and empathy, again, I think is such a huge part of that reality to, 
to, as we walk into someone else's darkness, we, they hear our story, we've been where you are, establishes the reality that you, you and I are, are, are like one another. <laughs> you know, we've been where each other has been, establishes trust, but also in the reality of relationship with God. And, you know, moving our experience of God from our heads into our hearts, which is, was, I believe, where trust resides, right? It's a, this emotional human connection of, you know, I'm not just going to say, yeah, I trust you. Trust, like, I'm putting my whole self into your hands, into this relationship where you're, you're leading me somewhere new. I was just struck by how profound I think that is, how, how important trust is, and, and really how that oftentimes then becomes a barrier to moving out of despair, because oftentimes people who are broken and living in deep darkness one of the hardest hardest things for them to do is to trust because everybody around them has proven over and over again that they can't be trusted. And that might be interesting for us to talk about, even just from a practical sense. If you're listening today and you've maybe you can really identify with that reality. You know, you've brokenness, trauma, darkness, despair, and the answer requires trust. Like what a cruel joke. <laughs> you know? right. God says, Walk with me into the right. darkness. Well, you've you know, I've I've been failed over and over and over again. Why, why would I do that again? You know, how do, how does one who has had their trust broken over and over again, you know, it's like, I was talking to a lady just yesterday, community that she, she's feels alone and isolated. And yet the thing she's most terrified to do is the exact thing she needs in order to have community. It's putting herself out there and making some new connections, but she's terrified of that. You know, and this is the same thing with trust. Yeah. Well, I think, you're you're right. It, it's it, it feels cruel to say, you know, what you, that thing that you need to do is in the darkest place and the hardest place. Um, but I mean, the alternative, um, the alternative for me and the alternative for you is, it, if we don't do that, the alternative is usually um, hatred mm. and resentment and bitterness um, that then leads to us you know, in some way perpetrating or creating what has, you know, what has caused us so much pain um, where we abandon or neglect or, or hurt the people around us. And it's not fair, um, but it's also, um, it's our best, I mean, on a practical side, it's our best available option is to, to lean towards hope and trust and uh, goodness um, because the alternative is so terrible. And, uh, and I think in a relationship that is redemptive, you also have the chance that someone could grieve with you, um, that someone could see what's been done and, and acknowledge it and believe you um, and to say, yeah, that's the truth and it's wrong and it's terrible and I'll mourn with you um, because uh, there's either mourning or there's uh hatred and bitterness and resentment. Um, and, um, and so if, if we lean into trust, we might find someone who would mourn with us. And then through that, we might be able to find ourselves to a place of being able to give again, to love again, um, to, uh, you know, to create again, instead of, um, to just be in destruction. So yeah, it's not fair, but it's our best, it's our best alternative. Um, I heard something yeah. I feel like is deeply practical out of what you said is that we, I think in an 
to move out of your despair, if you're someone that's you like, you're like, yeah, I'm here. I'm in this place of darkness. That your best move is to con- is to find people like you, people who are where you are, and to talk about where you are. You know, I, I think in sharing a mutual shared experience is where where trust can begin to grow and and most of the time and I think that's why groups like AA and uh, counseling groups and grief share groups are so powerful is because we enter into to a community of of shared empathy you know where where we're we're being authentic about our own experience whether we're in the grips of despair or we've we've moved beyond it because we've been where you are I think that is such a, a beautiful and oftentimes just the first step to creating space where you can begin to recognize that there is somewhere other than where you are. This isn't the only rally, reality you're going to ever experience. And so taking a small step of, of finding a support yeah. group or found, finding a counselor you trust, come talk to your, mm-hmm. you know, talk to your pastor or a church community yeah. where you can feel safe enough to say, man, I am in the dark right now. And that's true, yeah. <laughs> you know. There's yeah, there's two practical elements to that: is seek out somewhere where there is light shining, um, and so because a, a support group or AA that when they function well, there there are people in the AA group that are that are further along, uh, and yeah. they're they're not in the midst of despair, but they have been in despair, um, you know in. in in, in a church or a therapist or some like, you know, seek out light where you see it. And by light, I mean, you know, people who are kind, people who tell the truth, those two often are hard to put together. <laughs> We're often either. So when, you know, looking for light um, and then finding a person who, who, who is kind and tells the truth, then doing some of your own sharing. You've talked yeah. about vulnerability. Um, I've talked about uh, confession and telling the truth. Um, taking an action to open up to to light someone who who may may be hopeful and truth telling and kind. Um, those would be some practical steps um, because we talked before, and you can't guarantee that a church, excuse me, you can't guarantee that a church is going to be a place of light, or that a therapist will be, or that an AA group will be. You you can't guarantee it. Because we talked at the beginning about veneers, right? Like places can look and appear like they are places of light and all, and also be filled with darkness. And so look for the practical, you know, outflow. Oh, this, this person has hope and they're also not faking it. Um, and they're telling the truth or, you know, this place or this therapist or whatever. And then take an action to, to share where you're at and, and the actual despair you're in. Because remember, the way out is through, not you know, not, not pretending like you're not. And so begin to share some piece of it and see if you can build trust with that person and, and see if they're willing to, to walk with you. Yeah. Uh, Such, such good stuff. And so, um, it's just so it connects to where my heart's been this whole series we've been on at living hope and talking about mental wellness and anxiety, depression, despair, brokenness, and how to, how to move forward from that, you know, and, I think it's there. There's something though that has been kind of inkling in my heart, and maybe this is just a conversation for another episode. But I think as part of this is oftentimes um, in spiritual experience, there, there are some of the most profound re- redemptive moments of of um, ancient 
seekers and wanderers journeys have been in deepest darkness and there's a there's some kind of spiritual principle that's really hard and really challenging but that but also really um, hopeful <laughs> is that you know yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil so there's this person why? who right why don't I fear and and the reality is they're in the valley, you know, and sometimes, again, this goes with this resolution idea that we get this, this idea that hope means I'll never enter another valley again in my life, or hope means I'll never have another experience of deep darkness and wounding, which is, for me, just such a tragic lie. Because the reality is you, you might you might take someone's hand and walk out of out of the despair that you're in now. But if, if your hope rests in, the rea- in like this belief somehow that you'll never experience another moment of trauma or despair again in your life, you're setting yourself up for, for more trauma. Because I, but I, I think that life is just this seasonal ebb and flow of moments of great hope and joy and also moments of deep despair and sorrow and finding our way to s- kind of changing our view I think is really helpful, and I think that's part of a faith journey. What it, what it kind of um, matures in us, or what's the word? I'm t- it kind of uh, brings. I, I'm, I'm, I'm having. It just kind of develops in us as our, our, yeah, our, it's our ability to wherever we are in life to see with a perspective that what what might this season I'm in teach me about being a more f- whole version of myself if that's God's God's intention for me and not that God brings us or creates darkness or creates trauma but I do believe that God uses the circumstances of brokenness and evil in our lives I mean it's all throughout the Bible for from Genesis to Revelation go read the story it's a it's a story of people like us who are in the midst of some of the darkest times of their life and yet God redeems them and and shows them how they can connect with him in a way that they never could have had they not been in the place of darkness. And I think that's another tough conversation and a tough reality. Uh, but also, I, for me, I've experienced it as one of my m- most hopeful encounters of faith and relationship with God is the new perspective that when I walk into darkness, instead of just fearing despair, I now am conditioning my own heart and mind to look for, okay, where can I find God in the midst of the darkness? Because he's here with me and, and he could do something like this darkness holds the potential. Like imagine that you that God could even transform your view of trauma, grief, and despair into a view of, man, I wonder what God's going to do in the midst of this horrible thing. Like it tr- transforms my perspective into expectation rather than dread, uh, yes. and and not like in a masochistic way, but but that darkness yeah. could hold, you know. Well, and 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 for those of us that aren't in the midst of despair, that's something that we have to hold on to, for for people that may not mm. be able to see it, um, because that that the rest of that verse, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, yeah. Yeah. right? For you are with me in uh, being being a person in despair, knowing that someone is coming or knowing that someone is with you allows for hope. And whether that's, whether that's God 
and the experience of a spiritual connection with God or and also a, a, a person around us. I, I think that's that's what helps us to be able to experience that because I, I totally agree. You know, the treasure is to be found in the darkness where the dragon, you know, where the dragon dwells um, and 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 beautiful treasured things come out of that. It doesn't mean that the terrible things are good, but um, we, we have to go there to get to get the treasure. And and that's, I think, what God is calling us into as he, he says, I'll go into the darkness with you because on the other side is your transformation, whatever that might be. The transformation of the belief that someone would love you, for example, mm-hmm. or the transformation of your belief that um, you're worthless or the transformation of any number of things can come about through the course of that of that pathway. So, uh, my encouragement to to you and myself and those that might be listening is, um, if you're in despair, um, uh, you know, uh, knowing that th- there is the possibility for hope and that you're not you're not messed up or bad if you can't hold hope. But what I would encourage you to do is to hang on to the belief that someone someone or God uh, could be with you. Um, and, and for those of you and us that aren't in the midst of despair, to commit to be someone that follows after that example, which is I'm going to enter in and I'm going to find someone who's walking in shadow and be with them. You can't be with everybody and you have to make choices about what you can do, but also choose someone um, in your life to reach out to and, and try to meet them in their despair, not to fix it, but to join them and walk with them so that they can discover uh, what exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's amazing. Cool. Good stuff, man. What a great conversation, dude. I love it. Yeah. Let's be people of hope, <laughs> yeah. right? Try to Absolutely. foster it and bring it about. Absolutely. So, hey, thanks, Absolutely. man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good talking. We did it. We did it. We're, we were on right. video the entire time. <laughs> we'll see if it happens. So yeah. again, thank you. Uh, every, uh, those of you that are listening and, uh, again, just appreciate your interaction. Reach out to us on socials. Um, you can email us at staringintothesunpodcast@gmail.com. Subscribe and share so that we can yeah. bring bring what we're doing to more people. And they can watch. You can actually watch this right on YouTube. Um, our YouTube channel, mm-hmm. Staring Into the Sun. Um, we're going to be sharing it on socials so you can get on. It's another thing to subscribe to. We'd love for you to subscribe to both uh, podcasts, but yeah. YouTube. Follow us on YouTube so that you can get notifications. Uh, when we post new things and even when we are live online we would love to see some of you in live uh, streaming commenting with us and interacting with us right as we're recording that'd be great interaction for sure as we as we get better at the tech we'll we'll uh we'll notify people uh, that we are going to be streaming live and we, you know, be glad to have you join us. And in the future, we'd love to do, you know, more personalized ones, Q and A's and things like that, that we can do, but this is us getting started. So we're trying to meet you where you are, whether you're on YouTube or uh, a podcast. So thanks again for joining us. We encourage you to uh, pursue hope, pursue people in despair and uh, join us next time too, as we continue staring into the sun. Grace and peace, everyone. The way we find ourselves is by staring into the sun.